Recently, I got a letter from the Wayne County Municipal Court inviting me for jury duty. And initially, I thought, that's going to be cool. First of all, I'm not going to be in the accused seat, so that's a, a, already an advantage. And listen, I love to watch trial movies. I like the ones that are really intricate and the one attorney makes a point and you say, wow, that's a good point. Then the other one makes a better point and, and all that. So I was kind of excited to, to go. But then I thought, I think most of you are aware, I have a very serious case of tonight. So I don't comprehend well when people talk. I thought, what if I'm there and I don't understand what the attorney is saying or a witness uh, speaking about something. I mean, that would be bad. And I start being a little nervous about that. And coincidentally, that week I had a, uh, an appointment with my ENT doctor, and we did a uh, hearing test, and I did horrible on it. And I mentioned to him, he said, I'll give you a letter right now. You shouldn't be in a jury duty. So I sent a letter to the municipal court asking them to, uh, that I shouldn't be there. Now, today's text talks a little bit about uh, being dull of hearing. So when I was going through the, the, the chapters, I told Pastor Chris, I'll preach on five, uh, chapter 5, 11 to 14. He said, well, we're going to compete a little bit there. I said, no, you're fine. I'm not. So that, that Sunday is mine. So we're going to read now. Um, if you uh, have your Bibles, uh, we're in chapter 5 of the book of Hebrews. And today we are doing verses 11 through 14. If you do it on app, we use the ESV version. So if you follow with that one, it's a little easier. Um, we have been going through this series that we titled The Supremacy of Christ. And Pastor Chris has been going through several uh, chapters that describe that. So today we are on Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. About this, I have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have, the freedom we have to be getting together this morning, Lord, to worship your name, to pray to you and to listen to your word, Lord. I want to ask you that your Holy Spirit may be, may be present here in a, in a very special manner, Lord, that the words coming from my mouth are adjusted to everyone's needs and that your Holy Spirit may be touching the, the hearts of each one of us here this morning, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this text is full of figures of speech. I mean, if you... Notice that as we read, the author is using 
a lot of comparisons and uh, things like that, um, which was another good reason for me to pick this text because I like illustrations. So, hey, I'm authorized. The author is using illustrations to explain his point. So I guess I can, I can do the same. But it's very clear that he's expressing a very high level of frustration. Actually, he is going through a sequence uh, during these chapters talking about the supremacy of Christ. He talked that Christ is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, to the high priest. But it, it's almost like at this point he stops because he is frustrated thinking his audience is not getting it. It's very interesting that he expresses uh, that frustration. Uh, you're going to see that uh, as we explore with more details these, these verses that uh, he is definitely frustrated with what's happening to the people that he is writing this letter to. So could it be applicable to us today? I mean, this obviously was written some 2,000 years ago. Is it applicable for us today? So I'd like you to stay paying attention in case it is applicable to you and me uh, this morning, okay? Uh, so as the author describes and does this comparison of Jesus to other things that the Hebrew people, to, that the Jews held in very, uh, with high value, he gets, he says, Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is the full essence of God, yet he became a man. The very last verse that Pastor Chris preached on last Sunday, Hebrews 5.10, says that he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So let's go through today's verses. I mean, as you guys know, we uh, like to use the expository uh, method. So we're going to go verse by verse through this and see what it says to us. So let's go back to the beginning of verse 11. The author says, about these, we have much to say. Well, obviously, we have to stop and say, what is this, this that he is talking about? And again, it's fairly obvious. That's what he, is, he has been explaining throughout the, the book up to this point. Actually, I would say, based on what we know, is coming on chapter 6 and 7. He's particularly talking about the, the role of Jesus Christ as our high priest, our perfect uh, high priest. So, understanding Christ's position is fundamental to our Christianity. I mean, if we get that wrong, everything else that we do will make very, very little, uh, very little sense. So, we have to Remember that when we are talking about Christ, we are not talking about a great teacher or a prophet. We're talking about the Son of God. And, I mean, when we approach him, we have to be aware of his majesty. I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, this is the Son of God that wants to have a relationship with us. And we have the opportunity to approach in all his majesty. So... If anything, that should make us want to know more about him, to have a deeper relationship with, uh, with him. 
Obviously, we are reminded by the author that Jesus Christ became our perfect high priest, that instead of offering animal sacrifice, he offered himself when he died on that cross for us. So we should be immensely grateful for this that we are uh, looking into here. I will make a, se a sentence here that I want actually to even repeat so we, we capture. The mixed feeling of being terrified and in complete awe in his presence should be with us all the time. I mean, we can't take this as a small thing. The mixed feeling, because that's how we have this, this relationship with Christ, this, this mixed feeling of being terrified, we're in the presence of God. And at the same time, being in awe of his majesty, his power, should be with us all the time. We sometimes may forget that. And that's uh, what we're going to explore a little more today. We're going to take a look at this kind of as a medical case. Chris Rainey, uh, Corey Morris, uh, help me if I have a, I mean, trouble here. Uh, we'll divide in four steps. The disease, the symptoms, the cause, and the remedy. So let's go back to verse 11 because we never completed it. Uh, about this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. So the author is diagnosing a problem here, a disease though of hearingness. John Piper actually is the one who uh, used a disease in his explanation of this text, and I, I like that, uh, and I'm uh, using that. So it's a disease there. Years ago, many years ago, I was uh, preparing to talk to my Sunday school class in, in my church at that time, and I intended to challenge them to becoming more serious with their uh, spiritual life. And I shared that I was planning to do that when we were having breakfast with, uh, with our family uh, on that Sunday morning. And my younger son said, your challenge won't work. I said, what do you mean? He said, your students in your class became, they are complacent. I'll be honest, I had to check the dictionary, the full meaning of the word complacent. But it made me aware. Look at this. Marked by self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of deficiencies. Look at that. Marked by self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of deficiencies. Ouch. But if you think... It's a risk that we run, mainly those of us that have been in church for a long time. We can develop this complacency. We become, yeah, we go there, the message, we hear it, it has no impact for us. I thought about doing a survey, how, how many years you have been in church, but we won't do that, but you know how long you have been. And Probably the more years you have in church, the higher is the risk of developing this dough of hearing disease. So when you come, do you hear the voice of God? Do you, when you read the word, do you hear the voice of God coming from it? Do you feel the Holy Spirit talking to your heart? 
If not, are you praying right now that that might happen, that that might happen today as you're hearing the, the word of God? I don't like to jump to different translations, uh, but when I was studying, the, the computer put the NIV next to my ESV on the screen, and it was interesting because it sounded a little different, the same verse 11, but it may bring some extra light. It says like this in the NIV, it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. That's the explanation in the paraphrase of uh, the NIV of the dough of hearing. You're not even trying to understand anymore. And that made me think about uh, last year, I went to one of our customer plants and there was a guy in the production floor there with a t-shirt that could have been based on Hebrews 5.11 NIV translation. So I ordered one in. I can explain it to you, but I cannot understand it for you. That's a good sentence. I can explain it to you, but I cannot understand it for you. So, I mean, if you see the NIV, it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So if you don't try to understand, I, I'm going to be wasting my time here trying to explain to you. Do you see that similarity? If you do, please Stand up, sit up straight on your chairs because we're going to be serious here about some things. Let's go to verse 12 where the author talks about uh, symptoms of the disease. Actually, every time I go to the doctor, how does the doctor diagnose a thing? It's based on the symptoms, right? You describe what you're seeing, what you're feeling, and they say, oh, the combination of those is a sign of this disease. So that's what uh, the author explores on verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. One of the commentaries that I was using had this uh, statement. The recipients of the letter were people of whom better things might have been expected. They should be Mature Christians. I, I heard from a friend once, and I like that explanation. Frustration comes from unmet expectations. So I said in the beginning that the author sounds frustrated in these verses as he's trying to explain, and he's, you're not getting it, are you? So, and he, as he described the symptoms, he's explaining why he is convinced of that. Because they should be, the expectation is that by this time, they should be mature, but they're not. So, he, in, the, uh, in the text, we also read the, the word that uh, at this point, you ought to be teachers. So, let me make a little detour here. I think teachers should be best understood by, as with the word disciplers. Because teaching in some uh, uh, parts of the Bible is presented as a very specific gift that's given to some people. So you could try to excuse yourself saying, well, I didn't get the gift of uh, teaching, so that text doesn't apply to me. 
we all, as mature Christians, are expected to be disciples, so you can't get out of it, okay? Please stay paying attention. Don't turn off because you're still in the hook. Uh, so having an understanding of God and a relationship with God should equip you to be discipler of younger uh, Christians. Are you? Many of you are. I know you are. So praise God for that. I know that many of you are doing that uh, in your life. Are you? Am I? Yeah, I have to keep asking myself the question. I told Pastor Chris, I said, I can't be up there talking to people as if I'm talking from a higher standard. I'm, this is speaking to me as much as uh, it hopefully speaking to you guys uh, this morning. The, did you notice that the verse says, teach you the basic principles? I mean, those two words are almost uh, the same thing, right? The basic and the principles. Um, I read in one of the commentaries that uh, the translation from the Greek would be almost like uh, the ABC of the beginning. I mean, it's the beginning of the beginning. He is treating them as spiritual babies. I mean, really, really the basic of the basic uh, is what they, they need. Now, there's nothing wrong with the basic stuff. I mean, we all need the basic stuff. We all need the elementary school before we go to the, to the other ones. What's wrong is to stop there, right? So let's take a look at the, the rest of verse 12 and verse 13 because the author uh, explores a little more that when he explores the cause of the disease. So the, towards the end of verse 12, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. And the, the word here is a baby, an infant. I mean, a really young child. I thought about bringing a bottle of milk uh, this morning, but I'm only allowed one prop per sermon, <laughs> according to Obadiah 3.20. So I couldn't do that uh, a second prop. So no, no, no milk uh, to explore here. But there's nothing wrong with milk. Actually, it has been demonstrated that for a baby, for an infant, that is the complete nutrient that, 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 they, that they need. Now, a 17-year-old that only drinks milk has a problem, has a disease, and probably would have strong bones but very serious other deficiencies in his body if he is even able to be alive at 17 having only milk. So... The, note that the comment about being unskilled in the word of righteousness. We're called to grow in the knowledge of God. I like how Peter puts it in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are commanded to grow. We are not commanded to, okay, you're... You're fine. You have uh, Jesus Christ now. Um, let's again be clear here. We're not talking that necessarily all of us should be going after a master's degree on divinity. Uh, we should be growing. And, the and Peter says, 
in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And people are different. People grow differently. We are not talking about necessarily and exclusively an intellectual part. That is part of it, but it's not the, the whole thing. I mean, this is moral, this is uh, emotional, this is spiritual. I'm going to repeat an illustration. I know I have used that here uh, in the past, but I think it's applicable today. C.S. Lewis uh, talks about two men and the ocean. He says the first man, he's a, a scientist, he's an oceanographer. He knows the ocean. He knows the size, he knows the depth in different areas, the currents. He knows everything about the ocean. He knows the ocean. The second man is a fisherman. He wakes up every morning. He jumps in the water. He's swimming. He feels the temperature of the water on his skin. He knows the ocean. Well, they both do in a different way. I mean, ideally, our growth with the Lord should encompass both. I mean, our emotional side and our intellectual side. And I know that each one of us will have that in different doses. Some of us are more inclined to, to the desire of knowing God by studying more, by developing a little more our intellectual knowledge of him. Some prefer to uh, develop more with your experience with God, with that moment of devotion. I mean, we're, we're different there. So there is a different balance, but both should be happening. We should be learning more and experiencing more our God. And <clears throat> let's think for a minute again based on this illustration. Because we may be in this scenario. You could have a man who has all the books about the ocean. If he doesn't study them, doesn't read them, it's not going to have any value. You could have another man that lives in a beachfront house, if you never experience the ocean, that also doesn't work. Okay, so let's keep that, that in mind. We are expecting growth. And verse 14 further clarifies the matter by presenting the remedy. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I was intrigued by this verse because before this point, it looks like he's saying you need to get beyond the milk, get solid food to grow. When you read this verse, look at that again. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice, Distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for the mature. So it almost seems to put the case in the opposite direction. That we have to train and practice so we can get solid food. So what comes first? The chicken or the egg? Well, if you're a parent, if you were a parent, if you're near parents, you will know that probably the answer is yes. In other words, it's both, right? I mean, the parents will observe when the child needs solid food to continue growing. And the, will provide the solid food so they continue growing. So it's a thing that goes in tandem. It goes together. And that's similar to our uh, situation. We will progressively become more mature 
if we eat solid food and our spiritual life will be better prepared to take the, the solid food. So the, the two things will, will grow together. So it's a, it's a circle that makes uh, things together. And again, notice then, since we are now clarifying that, that it, it talks about train our powers of discernment by constant practice. Again, two expressions that are fairly similar, right? I mean, if you think on athlete, uh, the train and the constant practice, they are kind of similar. So we're being called to maturity, called to righteousness, to work on these things, observe the things in our life. If we are mature, we should have discernment to know this is wrong, either in our lives or around us, so we position ourselves. Even our worldview should be guided by our discernment of good and evil, right? So we, we have to keep working on, on that. We ought to know what is good and obviously do it and know what is evil and obviously avoid it. As we have emphasized before, again, I don't want to give any hint of a, a, the incorrect message. I'm, I'm talking about an effort here to grow, to get to maturity. Let's make it absolutely clear. This work, doing the right things, it's not to be accepted by God. We are accepted by God, by his grace. We sang earlier today, by his mercy, we are uh, accepted. So, doing the right things is not to obtain God's acceptance. It's because we have been accepted by God. Now we want to do the right things. We are warned to do the, the right things. We are his sons and daughters. He expects us to be righteous, to discern good from evil. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 11 puts this way. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up child ways. So, how do we apply this today? I think the language is plain. The author is making it very clear in this text. The title of the sermon, if you see that in your bulletin, is Stagnant Christianity. When Pastor Chris designed the whole series, that was the title that he, he put there. So, is there any risk or any chance that we became stagnant, stale, dull, complacent? If we did, it's time to wake up. We need to confess that to God and, and turn around. We need a renewed approach in our uh, spiritual life. Wouldn't it be pathetic if we had, after the service today, this beautiful buffet? We're not going to have it, okay? Don't, don't change your expectations. This beautiful buffet with all kinds of foods, all you can eat, and you would approach it, grab a glass of milk, take a little sip, and walk away. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? So how do we avoid that we do that in our spiritual life? I mean, there's so much 
that God presents to us in knowledge of him, in, relation, in our relationship with him. We can't be satisfying ourselves in front of this banquet and having a sip of milk and walking away. Let's feast in the grace of knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Again, uh, the, the text we, we looked at from Second uh, Peter. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, note he says, Lord and Savior, not just Savior. This is not a bus to heaven. And we shouldn't be asking, are we there yet? Because it's more than that. We're called for a relationship with him as Lord and Savior. It's comfortable to have him as Savior. It's a great thing that we have. But it's not the only thing. He wants to be Lord of our lives. So we have to submit to him in our, and grow in our knowledge of him and in our relationship with him. I want to be terrified and in awe in his presence. Hashtag in his presence. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can freely open your word. Look for your message for us, Lord. Speak to our hearts at this point, Lord, that uh, we might understand that we need to be growing all the time. We need to want to know you, to have this relationship with you, Lord. That's an incredible offering that you've, you've made to us, Lord, and we can't let it go without taking the full amount of what you have prepared for us, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit be working in our hearts this morning, Lord, and your name be glorified and your church be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.